read 2 Colossians, the second chapter, starting at verse 6 is where we're going to be. Can we stand for the reading of the word in the house? Amen. Let me know when you got it. Amen. We're reading, we're reading Colossians, the second chapter, starting at verse 6. It says, so then, just as you receive Christ, Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted, somebody say rooted, and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. All right. We're, the word of the Lord is already blessed and you may be seated in his presence. And so this entire week, we stepped into a garden. Come on. They, they, they made a garden up here. They had the ivies. They had the flowers. And so this entire week, we have stepped into a garden and we have allowed God to work on us as only the master gardener can. Now, anybody have a garden at their house? Now, Pastor Ashley can only grow artificial plants. All right, pray for me. But the purpose of a garden is four reasons that a garden exists. The first is for cultivation. The second is for beauty. The third is for the ecosystem. That is relationship. And then the fourth is for nourishment. And so we have received so much great word on this week. And today I just really want to put the cherry on the top of what we've already received. Pastor Nero gave us the meat. Pastor Cheryl gave us the method. Come on, our panelists and Pastor Q pushed us through uprooting the systems that are no longer serving us. And today we're going to take a step further and how to, and talk about how deep roots can remain. First and foremost, we must understand the dynamics and the process of a seed. Somebody say a seed. Now let's look at the first seed. We're going to start in the book of Genesis today. We're going to go back to the beginning. Say, Pastor Ash is going back to the basics. <laughs> Genesis 2, 4 through 8 says, this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Verse 8, now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. 
The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And in the middle of the garden, there was the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The Lord God, verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat of any tree in the garden, but not of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So now the first thing you have to recognize that the first seed that was planted in the garden was man. It said there was no shrub, there was no plant. So the first seed planted in the garden was man. Somebody say the first seed was man. The pattern was always, and why was the first, well, was the, why was the first seed man? Because the pattern that God was establishing is that we are always to be in the master's garden representing beauty, splendor, in constant perfect relationship, ecosystem, to grow and develop cultivation, and then to be nourished. And so Adam was the first seed. And Adam lived in absolute perfection with the father. Now, the science books will tell you that there are four things that a seed needs in order to sprout. And two of those things are what allow the seed to live and be a seed that produces something. Those two are water and oxygen. Somebody say water and oxygen. Now, the scientists think they're very smart because they found this out, but the Bible already told us that in Genesis. The Bible told us in Genesis, it says that God created a stream of water, where? From the ground, from the earth, and it watered the soil. And then he created the man, and when he created the man from the water that had watered the soil, he breathed oxygen into his nostrils. And so he brought life forth from the first seed before the scientists even recognized. Come on. Anybody following me today? Seeds need to be activated. Seeds need proper conditioning and temperature. And the Bible says that he set man in the garden. And after he made man, he made the trees. And then he made the plants. So that the seed called man would find nourishment. So the plant came for you. I have to let somebody know this morning that God precedes science. They ain't found nothing out that he don't already know. And they ain't found nothing that we can't discover in this. Come home. They just trying to catch up with what he already knows. Somebody say catch up. And so Adam was the first seed, and he lived in perfect relationship with the father. Adam had access to everything. Somebody say everything. He had access to everything that he needed to remain in splendor, to remain in relationship, to be cultivated, and to be nourished. But what happened? Somebody say what happened. What happened? What happened is what always happens. The enemy's tactic is to lure you into a path of destruction by promising you that you will become when God says you've already been. 
The enemy has this sneaky way of making us feel that we're not whole by ourselves. That something is missing. That something is lacking. That something is incomplete. And so because of that, we start yoking up with stuff and people that we think we need in order to belong. We start joining these networks and these organizations and these things that don't serve us because we think that that's what we need to step into our next. If we join this, if we become this, if we do this, then we can do that. If we get involved in this thing, then it will help us become what we're supposed to become. But Adam and Eve, the first seeds, they had complete wisdom. Somebody say complete wisdom. They had complete wisdom and they had complete knowledge. But the enemy lured them into thinking that God was holding out on them. That they were missing something. That they needed to have something. How many times have we involved ourselves in things, with people, with places, all because we thought that not being a part of it would mean we were missing out? But can I ask you this question today? Why are we as mankind, the people of God, always chasing this thing called becoming? Instead of just coming back to what you've always been. You have to understand that you're not missing anything. We have everything that we need. A seed has everything that it needs in its seed state. The tomato plant is not the tomato plant when you see the tomatoes. The tomato plant is the tomato plant when you see the seed. The seed has everything that it needs. God isn't waiting for us to become something. He's already created us as something. Come on, Jeremiah, and talk to us today. Jeremiah 1 and 5 says, I knew you when, before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. So you're telling me that Jeremiah didn't graduate from the school of the prophets so he could become a prophet. You're telling me that he was a prophet in his mother's womb, in his seed state. He already is. Come on, can you speak to us, Isaiah? Isaiah 49 and 5 says, And now the Lord says, He who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that for Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. So I didn't become your servant. Just because I thought Eli was calling my name. I, just because I thought that somebody called me out. But I became your servant because that's who I was in my mother's womb. How many know that John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus? The Bible lets us know that, that he came in order to preach, in order to baptize, in order to prepare the people for the ministry of Jesus. But he didn't become that as an adult. He didn't go to school to be that. Come on. The disciples didn't lay hands on him and tell him that was who he was. But if you look in Luke 141, it says that Elizabeth, when she was pregnant with John the Baptist, she said, 
the Bible says that when Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist, she heard a greeting from her cousin Mary. And when her cousin Mary greeted her, the Bible says that Elizabeth's womb leaped. And when Elizabeth's womb leaped, she was full of, filled with the Holy Spirit. So I'm not becoming the forerunner. I'm not becoming the preparer of the way. I am the forerunner, even in the state of incubation, my seed state. So much so that when I heard Mary, when I heard the voice of Mary, I understood what she was carrying. I recognized my assignment in my mother's womb, and I leaped, and then she was filled with the Holy Spirit. So I'm working my assignment even in my seed state. Some of y'all got to get that revelation. You're not becoming a dreamer. You've always been a dreamer. You're not becoming a seer. You've always been a seer. We have everything that we need. Second Peter 1 and 3 says, For his divine power has bestowed on us. That means it's given us absolutely everything necessary for life and godliness through true and personal knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence can i say it like this he's given us everything we need just by knowing him the enemy tries to get us at this knowledge level this level of knowing he wants to make us think that we don't know enough. That there's some extra secret, some extra knowledge out there. Can I pause to say that that's one of the biggest issues going on in our world right now? There's so many people that are hypersensitive about knowing or not knowing something. I'm talking about these folks that are so woke. So woke, walking around, spreading conspiracy theories and half-truths that are whole lies. Feel like they've arrived at some intellectual level that nobody else can get to. That's what I'm talking about. That's why the Bible says in our theme scripture, in, the, in verse 8, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense. That's what the Amplified Version says. And high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than Christ. Let me give you this knowledge this morning that everybody's spiritual ain't spirit filled. And just because it sounds deep doesn't mean it's revelation. Folks is walking around deep and dumb. Don't fall for it. Because you have everything you need, and if you know him, you know everything you need to know. Pastor Cheryl called it our competitive edge. It's not discovered through these secret books. It's not discovered through this ancient wisdom that don't nobody got and is found in some desert somewhere we don't even know how to get to, all right? It's not staring at crystals. It's not studying the alignment of the stars. You better get to know Jesus. 
because that's nothing but the trick of the enemy. We're talking about being deeply rooted. If I didn't get a title, we're talking about being deeply rooted in truth. Deeply rooted in truth. Now, Pastor Nero said it best that people know everything and really don't know anything. Because what he has given us comes through knowing him and him alone. Now, Pastor Cheryl gave us this illustration on Friday that in between the root and the fruit is you. And I'm going to add to that this morning by saying that in between the root and the fruit, you have to be covered in truth. I know we're living in a day where everybody thinks they know the truth. So it makes me ask the question, does truth even really matter anymore? Come on, ask your sister, ask your neighbor, does truth matter? Because we got alternative facts. Come on. People believe everything they say. So does truth even matter? And one of my one of my favorite preachers was my grandfather. He's deceased now. And one of my favorite messages he, he preached was titled, What is Truth? I've taught from that subject as well. And he really, he brings out this exchange between Pilate and Jesus that you can find in John 18. We're not going to go there, but I'm going to kind of summarize it. And in John 18, you see Jesus is arrested, and he's taken before Pilate, and they ask Jesus, are you a king? And Jesus answers by saying, my kingdom is not of this world, and the reason I came into this world is to testify of truth. Then he says, everyone on the side of truth, hear this, I love this verse, he says, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. I'm going to pause right there because that's a whole word. Because he's saying everyone on the side of truth listens to me. But you're seeking advice from folks that don't hear from God. Let me get back to my point. Pilate asked the question after Jesus testified about himself. He says, Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? And really what he was saying to Jesus is, does the truth even matter? Does the tr Your people want you dead, so does the truth even matter? And every day, that's really the question that's in front of you. Does the truth really matter? How many times has the enemy bombarded you with that question? He may not ask it blatantly, but that's what he's asking you when you are continuously speaking, I'm sick. When the Lord says you're healed. That's what he's asking you when you keep saying you're broke. When the Lord says you can be the lender and not the borrower. That's what he's asking you when you continue to live in guilt and shame. And he said that there is therefore no condemnation to those who believe. That's what he's asking when you continue to walk in unforgiveness. When God says when you forgive others, I will forgive you. That's what he's asking. That's what he's asking when you recite and rehearse all of your limitations. When God says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. When he said that he has a good plan for you. 
We are, this is what we misunderstand. We we misunderstand the fact that we are the product and he is the producer. Somebody say, I'm the product. He's the producer. He's the potter. I am the clay. He's the gardener. I am the seed. The truth is, if we insist that the product is no good, if we insist on the fact that the clay is no good, then we're in fact calling the producer, the potter, the gardener, no good. When I say I can't, I don't have, I'm not good enough, what I'm really saying is that my truth level is at this place where he can't. Where I'm believing that he won't. Where I'm believing that he's not good enough. Does truth really matter? Does truth really matter? Because when truth really matters, you can stand flat-footed and declare, I may not look like what the world says success should look like. I may not have the provision that the world says that I should have. I may not have the degrees that the world says I need, but I can declare that the truth is I can still do all things through Christ. I understand that things may not be the way I want them to be. I may be experiencing some temporary setbacks. I may be experiencing some temporary lack. I may be experiencing some struggles in my relationship. Calamity has seemed to make its home in my life. But I won't exchange my truth for your lie. Somebody say, I'm not going to exchange my truth. Because that's what they did. If we go back to the book of John, they exchanged Jesus for Barabbas. I'm not going to exchange my truth. Truth is why grief-stricken, disease-filled, come on, friendless, unsupported, poverty-stricken Job could declare with everything in him, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Does truth really matter? Job understood that no matter how it looks, no matter how I feel, no matter what has happened, the truth is that God is still good. The truth is that God is much bigger, he's much greater than the things that I lost. He's greater than what I have. And he's even greater than what I need. God is not the inventor. Somebody say God is not an inventor. He is a creator. See, an inventor needs resources to invent. But a creator doesn't need anything to create. I may like Job being a place of absolutely nothing. No money, no job, no support, no good friends, no opportunities, no manifested healing. But like Job, I will yet trust him. We're talking about being deeply rooted in truth. I can stay anchored in truth. I can stay anchored in truth, whether I see it producing in my life or not. Even when it looks like there's nothing growing, I can stay rooted in truth. 
when it looks like nothing is happening because all the creator needs is nothing to make something. The only element that God needs to make something is is nothing. So that's why I can stay anchored in truth because he's not an inventor. He's a creator. I don't have to worry about what I have or don't have because he can create from nothing. I serve a God that can make something out of my nothing situation. What is truth? And does it really matter? Yes, it matters. Because the level of truth indicates both how deep your roots are and if you will bear fruit. The truth matters. And because the truth matters, our seeds have to sprout. Our seeds will sprout. And where your seeds sprout will indicate what's going to be developed. If if your seeds are sprouting on the lies of this world, then you're going to develop something that God didn't intend for you to develop. We have to sprout from seeds and roots that's buried and anchored in truth. So I said that the seed already is everything it's destined to be. But there is a process of germination. There is a process where it begins to sprout. Sprouting is part of the maturation process where the seed begins to find something to anchor itself in, find something uh, to support its growth and development. Whatever you anchor in is what you're choosing to be developed from. So when your seed begins to sprout and you anchor in the lies of the enemy, that's what you're developing everything God placed in you from. You're developing it from that place. That's why I'm telling you we have to be anchored in, deeply rooted in truth. Somebody say truth. When we anchor our roots in this world system of success, we bear the fruit of competition. We bear the fruit of low self-worth. We bear the fruit of identity issues because you're trying to keep up with everything that you see. You don't understand why you're second-guessing yourself because that's not even something you deal with or have dealt with before. But it's because you sprouted some roots and anchored them in a system that was never designed to develop the person that you are. And why do we sprout and anchor ourselves in false systems? Somebody say, why? Because we have misunderstood the assignment. We think that the process of germination is to develop what we've been called to do. So we will go anchor ourselves to everything and everyone that looks like they can help us develop what we've been called to do into the person that we want to become. But that has never been the intention of the garden. You are everything you need to be at the state of the seed. The process of the seed is not just to become what it already is. It's to expand that, mature that, not to mishandle that. So the process of germination, cultivation, and maturation of the seed is not to develop what already is, 
but to bear fruit so you can protect what is. What develops, protects, and expands what you are is not who you know. It's not what school you've gone through. It's not what person laid their hands on you. It's not who gave you a word, but it's your process of bearing fruit. The maturation of the seed has never been about your gift. The maturation of the seed has always been about, are you going to bear fruit? Rooted, fruited, covered in truth. Come on. I hope you're following me today. You are everything you should be and shall be in the, in the state of the seed, in your mother's womb. There's no need to become. The need is to get back to what always been. The maturation process isn't so you can become. It's so you can bear fruit that will remain. Somebody say fruit that will remain. John 15 and 5 says, Jesus says, yes. I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in him will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This is the thing he didn't say. He didn't say, I am the vine. You are the branches. Now you can become something. The world is always making you think you need to become something. No, God is saying that I'm the vine. You're the branches. Remain in me so you can handle what you already are. Plants don't become, they bear. Plants don't become, they bear. And God in his amazing wisdom and intelligence, he made it so that the expansion and the development of who we are is tied to what we bear. It's tied to what we bear. When the apple tree connects its roots to the system that was designed to nourish it, it bears apples. But those apples both serve as the product and the producer. Somebody say the product and the producer. Because inside of each one of those apples is what? It's more seed. I'm going somewhere and I'm trying to help somebody. We don't need any more gifted people with resumes that are 50 pages long, but character is more shallow than a kiddie pool. In this season, we need to grab a hold of the truth that I already am all that he said that I am. And what I need to do is not look for something and someone to develop me, but I need to be found allowing him to mature me to a place where I will no longer mishandle who I am. Where I am no longer looking to this system of human thinking to dictate and shape what he's called me to be. The process of maturation and development is not for me to become anything, but it's for me to be able to continue being what I've always been. And the only way to do that is to bear fruit. Somebody say bear fruit. This is what we have to realize, and the Bible tells us this. Gifts are given. Fruit is developed. And so this whole garden experience isn't about developing your gift. Gifts are given. 
fruit is developed in my seeds in my seed state he already gave me the dna of teacher prophet pastor evangelist helper hospitality all of those things he already gave me the dna of that in my seed state so those are not the things that need to be developed in me what has to be developed is the character not to mishandle it the character not to misuse it the character not to allow others to mishandle and misuse it so fruit is the product somebody say fruit is the product but it's also the producer some of you haven't walked fully can i say this some of you haven't walked fully in the power that he's placed in you as seed because you have yet to produce the fruit that can protect and handle it it doesn't impress god if you can prophesy with so much specificity that you can tell me the sequence code of my DNA. That does not impress God at all. If you can do all of that, but your attitude is nasty and you don't know how to love. It doesn't impress God if you go in a whole room and lay hands on everybody and everybody gets healed, but you leave that out of here and cuss out the person that cut you off in the road. That doesn't impress God because gifts are given. Fruit is developed. As we, as we spent these few days uprooting and activating the you that was already in you, now I'm telling you to make sure you sprout in truth and bear the fruit that will keep you. Bear the fruit that will keep you because gifts that are not wrapped in fruit can make partakers sick and do more damage than good apple looks real good until you see that there's wormholes in it come on i'm thinking that you have some fruit because i'm watching how great you use your gifts but then when i see you outside cussing and fighting and everything else now i'm a baby christian and i'm so confused i'm doing more damage than good if you're gonna be rooted you better get some truth so you can be fruited love never fails but as for prophecies they will pass away as for tongues, they will cease. As for the gift of special knowledge, it will pass away. What he's saying, I gave it, and it's not going to always remain. But what will remain is fruit. It's fruit. So whether you can prophesy, whether you can heal, whether you can uh, teach and say everybody from elementary to college understands exactly what the word of God said. None of that matters if you don't have love, if you don't have joy, if you don't have peace, if you don't have kindness, if you don't have gentleness, if you don't have self-control.
have to be deeply rooted in truth because it's the only way to bear fruit that looks like truth. Somebody say truth is a person. And so he's more concerned with you bearing his image. He placed Adam in the garden so he can cultivate him. So he can be in relationship with him. So that we can look alike. So I can nourish you. And so his seed, the seed that is you, everything that he's given you to do is in that seed. But he's not worried about, he already knows that's there. He's not worried about developing that. He wants to develop you to a place where you look like me. That means you bear the fruit that I bear. You love like I love. You have joy like I have joy. You have peace like I have peace. You have self-control. You have gentleness. You have kindness. You got it? Somebody getting something today? Because what we know, and we've seen it on display, is that gifts are given, and they can operate with or without God. That's why fruit is the only indicator of what your roots are really connected to. The only indicator. Can I say this? We have to get this understanding that the gift will move without the fruit. But the fruit won't leave the gift behind. And so I'm not so much worried about in this season. I'm not worried about who's flashy, who can do this. We've been in this deeply rooted summit, and it's been powerful, and we haven't had one headline and name that you've seen in all of the the blogs and the Facebooks and the papers, because in this season, I'm looking for folks that bear fruit, because if you bear fruit, your gift is going to come with your fruit, but I don't want no gift without no... Now, because the first seed fell... The first seed, that is Adam, because he fell into the trap of escalation through manipulation instead of waiting on elevation that comes through the manifestation of bearing fruit. We now live in this place of warring between the need to elevate and become rather than waiting and being. But God, in his awesome brilliance, somebody say he's a good God. In his awesome brilliance, he said, it's all right, because I got another seed. Somebody said he had another seed. Now, the first seed had some identity issues. And so he brought about death. But the second seed knew exactly who he was. He knew who he was, who he is. And who he will be. And so he made it so that we could be alive in him. The first seed was the seed from the ground. Somebody say from the ground. But the second seed, 1 Corinthians 15, 40 says, came from heaven. And because the second seed came with all power and authority, I told you what, that a seed needs what? Water and oxygen. Light. And good temperature to sprout. 
Well, this sea said that the winds and waves obey me. He said that I am the light of the world. And so I no longer, we no longer have to depend on this system to sprout our roots. But we can sprout our roots in something that goes deeper. That goes beyond this natural surface. Goes beyond this bedrock. It's deeper than the aquifers that are embedded in the surface. Somebody say, it's deep, deep. I understand now that I can sprout my roots in this seed. And when I sprout my roots in this second seed, they will be anchored in a strong foundation because not only is he powerful, not only is he a life-giving seed, he is the truth. He is the way. He is the life. Rooted, wrapped in truth, and fruited. Rooted. You wrapped in truth and fruited. Pastor Q and I were going to speak and tag team from our demonstration of rooted and fruited yesterday. Because the process of going from rooted to fruited is all about where you have anchored your roots. Where have you anchored your roots? Where have you anchored your roots? I've shared this before, but I want to share it again today in this context. I said that the seed already is everything that it is to be. And so in the very womb of my mother, I was teacher. I was pastor. I was cultivator. All of these things. Through my life, even as a child, I would line my Barbie dolls up. And I will be giving them fake problems that I could solve. My first job at Target, when they make you wear the, the red and khaki, and I worked in the deli and my hair smelled like hell, but it was my first job. My first job at Target, at 16, there was a woman that worked my shift with me, three times my age, probably could have been my grandmother. But we would sit down and she would tell me about her life's problems. And I would just talk. Wisdom beyond my age and my experience. Started preaching at 16. I knew that when I helped people, I knew that when I, I taught the word, that something came alive in me. But my roots were anchored in a system that told me, you can't do that because of your gender. You're a woman, so you can't do that. And so I was warring with this confusion that then became identity issues. Then why do I feel alive here? Is something wrong with me? God, is something wrong with me? Confusion, identity issues. And, I, and one day, when I was about 17, 18, a prophet came to our house, our church house. And we were having a hot time in the Lord. And she pointed at me, and she said, Pastor, Pastor, I literally got angry. I was appalled because my roots were anchored in a system that said, you can't be that. 
You can't do that. And I was like, why would this woman say this to me? Why would she tell me something that I can't be, that I can't do? And so, so long, for a very long time, I silenced my voice because I was embedded and rooting in their truth. Their truth, that I wasn't fit for the call because of my gender. But then there came a time, let me say this too. I grew angry. I grew frustrated. I would be mad every time I seen a teenage boy preaching. I'm like, he ain't even saying nothing. He didn't even study for that. And so I grew this resentment toward these people that got to walk holy in their call while I had to just over be shivered over here and feel rejected and feel like I don't know who I am and feel confused. And so I had this anger. And then it grew into this self-righteousness. Can we talk well? And so I began to help people, and people would come to me, and I would be praying for people to, for things to happen. I would be praying for my family to be saved. But then when it didn't happen, I would get real mad, real angry, just a lot of anger because everything was just, everything was building up on top of the other. And so I, I would get so angry. And then there, be, there came a time in life, we all had these seasons, where things happen and then God has to show you you. And so he began to show me myself. Why can't I do this? They're out there doing this. They go to this church and they let them do this. But he just made me sit with them. Sit with them. Until he could uproot that system of thinking. That system that I was embedded in. He uprooted that in me. I didn't say he changed them. He uprooted that in me and set me in a place where I could see something different. And then I began to sit with him a little longer. And then he didn't, he didn't sit me, he didn't sit me in front of a woman pastor to mentor me. He set me in situations where I had to learn patience. So now that I can walk people, walk with people in their season with gentleness instead of anger. He didn't sit me in front of anybody to lay hands and confirm and validate what he's already told me. He sent me in a place where I can learn how to forgive quickly. He sent me in a place where he could develop fruit. What are you saying, Pastor Ashley? In all of that we have done this weekend, in everything that has been activated in you, don't lose it chasing the how to do. Develop in the being. Develop in the being. Somebody say we got to be deeply rooted in truth. We got to be deeply rooted in truth. 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 It's the only thing that's going to keep you. Let him develop the character so that you can handle the call. 
let him develop the character so you can handle the gift. It makes no sense because I can see. But it makes no sense for me to call out everything that you already are if I know you can't handle it. I'm doing a disservice to you. I'd rather walk with you through character development and let your character catch up to who you already are, called to be. Come on. That's the season that we're in. That's the season that we're in. Say, I want to be deeply rooted in truth. Rooted. Come on, stand with me. Stand with me. Come on, we're going to do the demonstration today. Stand with me. I know we didn't shout. I ain't no shouter anyway, but I ain't got the energy this morning. So I hope y'all received the teaching, all right? Somebody say rooted. You covered in truth. Fruited. Come on. I know my twins are going to do my hand movements with me. Come on. Bless the name of the Lord. We got to get deeply rooted in truth. It's not good enough just to be activated and have no process of developing character and bearing the fruit that will remain. My worship leaders, y'all can come. We've had a powerful weekend. We've had such a powerful weekend. And the presence of the Lord is still here so very strong. So very strong. But I want to open up this altar this morning to those of you who say, I need to uproot my, my belief system. I need to uproot where I have anchored my roots where I have sprouted my roots. I need to uproot from this world system.